Welcome back to another Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. My name is Creek, and I'm with my punctilious co-host. He used that one before. No. No, you no, used that one. That's, that's not true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I literally just got it in my email this morning. I have a word of the day email, so... Um, which just means... Uh, Did you sign up for that word of the day thing so that you can expand <laughs> your repertoire of words? I mean, <laughs> content, you know, gotta gotta have it. Um, showing great attention to detail or correct behavior. So more just Maria Jose. Um, mm. Anti-punctilious, maybe, for Mario. <laughs> Depending on the um, subject. I, I, I think the, this, you don't want to true. make a mistake yeah. and... The things that he really cares about. Uh, that, on the rest, you can do whatever you want. That's the thing. Like, if it's important, I'm punctilious. But if it's not important, I'm, so I'm quantum not. mechanics, astrology. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're the same thing. They're the same you know? thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, not 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 to mix. Uh, you, I mean, you know, this uh, works for the sex episode, episode. You know, R- devil's well, advocate. Because uh, there you go. Because uh, I mean, and for the seven, because we're wandering all over the place here. But <laughs> um, you know, but that's next episode. Yeah. So uh, um, so uh, by the way, not not to mix. Uh, you know, podcast here, but uh, for movie lovers and particularly for fans of the Enneagram and a Movie podcast, go see Oppenheimer, man. If you haven't seen it yet. Speaking of quantum mechanics, good, good, good movie. Did you see it, Maria Jose? Not yet, oh, but okay. I will. I am yeah. hoping to watch it, to see it yeah. this weekend. Go see we, it on and IMAX. Barbie. Yeah, and real, Barbie. The yeah. real question is: Mario seen Barbie? I, well, you know, I have not. Uh, Dressed in I'm pink, not, not of a, course. Uh, you are that. Yeah. Now, look, I'm not opposed to uh, seeing Barbie. Yeah. I've heard it's a good movie. We're wearing and, pink. Uh, and 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 to be quite honest, I am a big, big, big Margot Robbie fan. So uh, mm. I'll watch pretty much anything. Yeah, she's most in, men so. are. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So I, you know, I'll, I'll I'll get around to seeing Barbie at some point. Yeah. In pink? Is that the question? I mean, that's the question. I don't know if I have I don't know if I have any pink clothes. I might have to borrow some from my. Uh, Sounds from like my an sons. Amazon package yeah. is going to be showing up at your door <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, are we doing a podcast? We're here? doing a <laughs> podcast yeah, okay. on the subtypes yeah. of six. So, let's start as we normally do, and let's talk about the maybe mistypings or the often uh, misunderstood subtypes of the six. What, what's what do you mm-hmm. normally see? So there's one main thing, right? I, th- I think that the the six, I think there are probably fewer misunderstandings of sixes than there are of some of the other types in some ways, with one exception, and this is a big one. And it gets to what's often at the center of a lot of approaches to the Enneagram, and that is this idea of there being a phobic six and a counterphobic six, right? And it's not quite so much a misunderstanding, but it's a... It's a simplification of what's happening, okay? And, uh, you know, from our perspective, the when people generally are talking about a phobic six, they're talking more about the preserving six. And when they're talking about the counterphobic six, what they're really talking about is a transmitting six. And I don't really think, you know, there might be some element of counterphobia to it. So, you know, a, a phobia is an irrational fear. 
Okay, so I'm even hesitant to, um, you know, weigh too heavily on that word for any sixes um, because it assumes that their fears are irrational, which sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. And um, so this idea of there being a counterphobic six is this idea that, you know, they go against the fear. But my my observations are that they're still pretty fearful people, but they're also aggressive. And that's because of the um, the mixing of the instinctual bias, you know, the transmitting instinctual bias and the strategy of striving to feel secure. It's just another way of striving to feel secure or it's a, it's a different way of transmitting, I should say. And this gets to what's at the heart of all these subtypes, right? The, the instinctual bias is a set of values. It's a way of prioritizing what's important. The strategy is how we go about getting it. So the way that the transmitting six, you know, transmits is through this security. And it makes more sense to be an assertive form of security, right? An outward going form of security rather than a protective form of security as we see in the preserving six. So it's not really a great categorization of sixes because you could talk about that in four in four language, right? There's a more assertive way of being unique and a more subdued way of being unique. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, you know, and I've heard, um, you know, there's this whole idea of countertypes. And, you know, and I heard one of the proponents or the proponers or the advocates of the countertype idea. Mm. You can delete those two weird words that I made up. But um, the... (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) You know, someone advocating this idea of countertype saying, well, there's countertype to the six, so why wouldn't there be a countertype to all the other types as well. Uh, th- that to me is just an oversimplification again of what's happening, right? It's not that in each type, one of the subtypes goes counter to the fixation or whatever. No, it's just this complicated blend of an instinctual bias and a strategy that cause complexity in the expression of the type. So one of the other misunderstandings that I see is that Many times the words, the labels that are used for type six are very trait specific, like the loyalist or the guardian or things like that, which is a very narrow uh, way of describing what's happening there. And I've seen lots of people who feel they're loyal thinking, okay, then I must must be a six. So I think that capturing the logic of the type through um, saying striving to feel secure is uh, a lot more to the point of what's happening with type six than a trait. And I think that that could apply to all of the strategies, but I think that there's some where that's more relevant, like type six or type two, for example, Uh, because when you say type seven, it's just more in line with what people understand with the seven, but type six is more, it's kind of, it takes a different angle to yeah. try in trying to explain what's happening. I, I had a, 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 a real life example of that very phenomenon this week when I was assessing um, a, a client and uh, he was familiar with the Enneagram through his wife who, you know, learned it from some person who 
didn't have particularly deep Enneagram skills. And um, he, he, I was nice, right? I was nice. I I could see you saying, how far is he going to go here? I could see you thinking it, but no, I was was nice. Um, I watched uh, real-time translation of the words in your head (laughs) to what came out of your mouth. And, and, and you know, he said to me, um, "Oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm familiar with the enneagram, and I'm the loyalist." Right? And this will, you know, we'll touch on this again when we talk about the the sevens, because this guy's thinking he's a loyalist because he's family oriented and has some anxiety and that sort of thing, but he's also describing himself his himself as always looking at the bright side of things and you know always happy and blah 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 you know or at least you know outwardly he's not a six right uh, he might be a loyalist depending on how we define that but he's clearly not a six he ended up being a preserving seven so I, I agree we really that that is not a name that does service to um, that personality style yeah and I've also seen that sixes are probably one of the types that have a harder time the hardest time finding their type in general. Yeah. Because they have traits, or they can they resonate with a lot of other types, and even more so, than nines. I think those two yeah, are the ones I, I that do. where I see the most more, more confusions. Yeah, I would add fours to that, I, but fours is more of a, a a rejection of the whole concept of wanting to <laughs> fall into a category that makes them like one out of nine every other person yeah, on the planet. Yeah. Interesting, huh? All right, well, let's jump into the subtypes. We're talking about the preserving six. Who would you like to tell? tell uh, uh, Maria Jose. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so the preserving six is a combination where the instinctual bias and the strategy reinforce each other. So there is the security need coming from the, the instinctual bias and also from the strategy. So it's this double dose makes them seem kind of more anxious and they're very detailed oriented. They want to uh, fulfill their responsibilities. They are more risk averse probably and probably a bit more paralyzed by certain situations. However, and when I think about them, especially at work, but at home probably too, they are so task-oriented and so wanting to uh, do what they should be doing or what's expected of them or what needs to get done, that they're doing things all the time. So it's not like they're paralyzed by everything. They're doing a lot of things. And sometimes there are things that it's just they're probably overwhelming and that they get paralyzed by the risk or not knowing what to do, how to proceed. Yeah, they, they, they kind of remind me of little birds making their nest, right? That kind of, you know, if you ever see a sparrow or something and there's that hopping around, you know, kind of quick movement and, you know, and the things that they're doing. Uh, now, I, I, you know, nobody's like that 24 hours a day, uh, maybe preserving threes, but, um, you know, for the most part, everybody else has you know on and off times and the preserving sixes will have an off switch but it's not used as much you know for sure and it's easier mm-hmm. when they know that they have done everything they had to do during the day it's like it's right. nothing outstanding uh it it's uh they have an, an easier time relaxed relaxing when that's the case yeah, yeah so this idea with the preserving six it really is all about 
you know, security of the nest. And th- mm-hmm. so they tend to be the ones most concerned with their physical security. So they're the ones most likely to be checking the locks and checking that the the gas is off and, you know, worried about the car, you know, being broken into and all these sort of things, um, you know, and seeing threats out there. Now, you know, to, to some people, and I put myself in that category, this is like, you know, why you worry so much, you know, but it's also a pretty good quality to have around, right? I mean, there is an adaptive use to it. It's good that somebody's thinking to, you know, check the locks mm-hmm. on the doors or check to make sure that we turn the gas off. So uh, as with everything else done adaptively, it's a really positive quality yeah. mm-hmm. to have. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I, my mom is a preserving six and I used to think that when she was bringing up the risks, the potential risks that I was facing, she was sort of criticizing me and I would react <laughs> more negatively than positively to those comments. And, and like I took it personal, but then I realized that she only needed me to see them and then make sure that I know what to do about it. And and she would let it go. So it's it's much easier, but they just need to have the nest secure and the people in their nest secure. They will do anything. They cannot. They usually cannot help themselves, like trying to fulfill that need. Mm-hmm. So, as for all preservers, the uh, we refer to that as the zone of enthusiasm, meaning that's where their attention goes, which is what they prioritize the most, which they get tend to get the most enjoyment out of. The navigating domain is the um, uh, the zone of inner conflict and. One of the ways this manifests itself is that the preserving six will have a very close-knit group of, you know, people, you know, who are like family, if not family, and they tend to be a bit suspicious of anybody outside of that, right? Now, they this doesn't mean that they're not friendly toward groups that they don't go out and navigate, but they tend to do it with a wary eye. And so they're reluctant to let new people into the group. At the same time, kind of wanting information about people just to make sure that they're okay, right? So their navigating is in service of, you know, their physical safety. It's in, as with all preservers, their navigating is in service of their form of preserving. So, um, and when it comes to transmitting, the again it's the zone of indifference now again people will make the mistake of saying oh well you know i'm self-preservation but sexual or one-to-one is second in my stack because yeah the significant other is a big part of that safety and security of having that stability of the relationship but when it comes to transmitting preserving sixes in particular are not real interested in being out there in a real public way. I mean, that just draws the attention of predators, right? So they don't want to be seen. That's like a nightmare come true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. So uh, again, the transmitting is a zone of indifference for them. So would yeah. you say that the transmitting is often a, a point of friction for the preserving sex? I don't even know that it's so much a point of uh, friction just as something that's just not on their radar. Okay. Yeah, it's, I think right. that indifference applies oh, okay, very okay. well. Yeah. Uh, there's no need yeah. 
The uh, friction is more in the navigating mm-hmm. domain, right? Mm-hmm. It's, did I say the right thing? Should I have said this or should I have said that? You know, should should I go to that party or shouldn't I? You know, so there's a lot of anxiety in the navigating domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the transmitting, it's like, eh, I don't want to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, and I see that, especially in the social domain, like with friends and, and, and those things. But when it comes to understanding the office politics, they're better. It's it, it's at yeah. the service of preserving my job and my my role. So I I can go with that and understand it and pay attention to it. Not the gossip, but the understanding the social dynamics. Yeah. Um, because they're evaluating potential threats. And it's, yeah. so it's in a more, um, number one, a more immediately threatening environment, but it's also in a more contained environment, right? Our, our work environment is much more narrow in scope than the world in general, right? So they leave work and that's where the um, friction around whether or not to engage gets more intense. Yeah. Would you say that these look more pessimistic than the others, the other subtypes? They tend to, right? Because yeah. again, they're always focusing on the threats, mm. and 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 it's not that they're always pessimistic, and mm. it's not that they're only pessimistic. They very often see the bright side of things and have new creative ideas, but they don't express them because, again, their priority is threats to well-being. Mm. Right, so I need to take that, take care of that first. Yeah. Would there be any like mistyping as as two? Uh, it could be. You, you know, I think from a superficial perspective, yes, because there is an emphasis. Again, we see this with I don't want to say all the preserving sure, subtypes, right. but a lot of them. There's this tendency to, you know, I'll scratch your back and you'll scratch mine, sort of thing, and I, I want you to be. Okay, and if I see you as part of my nest, you know, my extended nest even, then yeah, I want to do for you. Um, So there's part of that, but there's a, um, I I think the big difference is the affect and the the emphasis on the positive that we see in the the two versus the emphasis on the negative that we see in the Mm. six. Yeah, and and I also see a confusion with ones uh, because they are bringing up what could go wrong that looks like criticism. Or they're trying, like their perfectionistic side could get confused. Yeah, and I think an important distinction there is that the one is focused on what is wrong. The six is focused on what could go wrong, Mm. which is slightly different emphasis. Yeah, and also that ones ask less. Uh, the opinion of other people than sixes yeah. usually right. ones right. think they know what to do and I know right. what's right and what's wrong. Uh, sixes, it's more dependent on what other people think mm. or expect. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, which can feel too-y as well. Yes. Very people pleasy. Let's talk about the navigating six. So this is the one actually that I find gets confused with two the most, mm. right, yeah. of the sixes. Um, because they, uh, you know, again, their security is found through the group. So they tend to have a more positive affect. There's still a suspicion of other people. But I, I think that of the three subtypes of the six, the navigating six has the most positive affect because they intuitively understand that 
people respond better to honey than vinegar, right? And so they're, you know, more likely to say something positive than to say something negative because it helps with those connections. Yeah, it's a higher inhibition because of understanding the impact they have on other people. So these are folks who, you know, are, are really interested in the group dynamic and their, you know, their loyalty is more toward a tribe than to the family. That like we'll see in the preserving six, and so uh, you, you know, for me, a good metaphor, and it's not exclusive, but a a good metaphor is kind of the sports fan, right? The over the top sports fan. Uh, it was the movie uh, Silver Lining Playbook, Silver Linings Playbook, you know, some years back, and the um, I think probably a few of the characters in that were sixes, but the uh, the De Niro character who was this over the top Eagles fan was pro- you know a good example. Of of a navigating six who, you know, I, I, I want to be part of something bigger than me, you know, even if it's just as a fan, I don't necessarily have to be the player or whatever, but I want to be part of something. So that's how sixes find security is being part of a big group in a way. Mm. Yeah. And again, doesn't mean that they have to be, you know, uh, the, the social, you know, butterfly and all these things. One of the big misunderstandings about navigating is it's not about being extroverted or talking to people all the time. I just want to be part of the club. And for the navigating six, this is most important. Yeah. And I think that and maybe it's related to the pattern of expression, but navigating sixes are kind of like kind of blend more and sometimes if you don't pay enough attention it's hard to identify them Um, they have at work at least they're very very i think they're very loyal but they want to uh, be at the service of the group and the leader and do whatever they think they need or expect from them and maybe not pay that much attention to some uh, more preserving tasks because of their pattern of expression. I mean, they, they are not that interested in tasks or uh, processes or making people work and meet deadlines and things like that. But if you put them to do whatever you need them to do uh, strategically, building relationships and things like that, they can do a really, really good job. So as with any profile, I think that understanding what they tend to focus on and what they're good at and what they will neglect makes them makes it easy to manage them. Yeah, the other thing is that they get confused, as uh, you were saying, Mario, with twos. And I've explored that with several twos and sixes. And I think that twos are proactive in helping and trying to connect with other people. Sixes are reactive. So if they feel needed, they will provide the help, mm. but they will not proactively offer it. Uh, they feel like they have to, they, that they, it is expected of them, but they will not go out of their way to, to offer it without being asked in general. Yeah. Would you agree? I, I would, in, in my experience, for sure. And for, for me, the, you, kind of what captures the navigating six is this idea that I'm always monitoring and evaluating and weighing uh, interactions with other people, right? So I'm always looking at the group. I'm always, you know, observing, paying attention to everybody, paying attention to who's trying to get into the group, who's, you know, on the outs with the group, always tracking data, right? So it's it's almost like 
this is a, a kind of a negative metaphor, but it's like, you know, an intelligence agent, agency always collecting information on people to, you know, store away and then very deliberately managing relationships with those people. So I'm on the right terms with them that I want to be, right? If it's somebody I really like, I'm on the right terms that keep me as part of the group. If it's somebody I don't quite trust, I want to be close enough to keep an eye on them, right? So I'll be friendly to them even if I don't feel well disposed to them very often until they've proven themselves to be a problem and then they're my, you know, enemy till death. Would this subtype be more naturally skilled at setting boundaries or is that just not a thing either way? Mm, that's a good question. I, I, I think that's something in my experience with navigating sixes who are good at that. It feels like a learned mm. skill. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's probably something that they might have to wrestle with and for, for all sixes. Learn. For well, I think that the I I would say that the preserving six is probably pretty good at setting boundaries, mm. right? Uh, in a lot of ways, because it's like you know they're really comfortable with saying no, I can't do that. And in fact, it, that just made me think of a, a client I had some years ago who was a preserving six, and you know he was a pretty senior uh, engineering leader, and he felt that it was his job to protect his people from his bosses right? That he was to be a wall between them. And so it was his job to set boundaries upward in order to protect the people downward. So I think in my experience, the preserving six and even the transmitting six can be pretty good at mm. this. Yeah. Um, but it's the navigating six who's, they might be more aware of the nuances of boundaries, but probably not that great at establishing mm. them. I remember one preserve, uh, navigating six once telling me that he had decided to limit the n number of new friends he made <laughs> because <laughs> every time he has a new friend, he <laughs> felt like they expected things of him. So the responsibility <laughs> grew. So I, I won't have as many friends. <laughs> that was his way of setting boundaries. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, what's, uh, what's one thing that you typically find with navigating sixes that you work with them on? Uh, for me, it's almost always around task orientation, process structure. It's the preserving stuff. They do have to, uh, you, you know, you kind of go through this when giving advice, you know, when it comes to the instinctual biases, you always go at, you know, the other two domains. And on the one hand, it is appropriate self-promotion, right? So it would be, okay, you've got to learn to establish your identity in the group rather than just always being the support person of the group. You know, they have a tendency to kind of fall into the, you know, almost like the, uh, you know, the, uh, the board secretary, you know, whose job is it is to keep track of things rather than establishing their own identity. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, piece of advice, number one. And then it's around process and structure and attention to detail. Discipline and, and yeah. Yes. Marie Jose, what about you? I agree. I think that's the main, and, and it's what I think I had said before, it's their main, but the trick there is that they probably feel that they're good, doing a good job by doing kind of supporting the leader, the group, and all of that, but they do not realize how the lack of attention to process and all of that has an impact, a negative one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in, in that regard, uh, with sixes, the, with navigating sixes, the zone of 
enthusiasm is navigating. So they just pay attention to that. They enjoy it. They're probably good at it, relatively good at it. But with the transmitting domain, it's their zone of inner conflict. So they don't know how much to transmit. Am I transmitting enough? As with all navigators, uh, but then am I being seen by the group? Am I being valued by the group, appreciated by my contributions? So it's, they, they wrestle with that usually. And they neglect or they ignore the zone of indifference, which is uh, preserving, as we have said before. All right, let's go ahead and move to the transmitting six. I was going to say that to me, this is one of the most interesting subtypes because it's what we said that it's commonly known as a people call it the counterphobic, but I think that it's the most, the less understood. When you see people dealing with transmitting sixes, they just have a really hard time making sense of what they do. They interpret their, their behavior in such a different way to what the transmitting six is feeling and seeing that it's really, really interesting. It's also a type that when they're when they're good, they're really, really good, and when they're bad, they can be really, really bad, right? Like the eight that way. Um, you, you know, you don't want to be around a, a, a really unhealthy eight, and you don't want to, you know, and you do want to be around a healthy eight. Um, and it's the same with the, the the transmitting six very often. What we see here is a sex. Uh, what we see here is a six who, um, uh, who, you know, wants to stand out, right? So you get this combination of concern for security and this need to stand out, and it, it makes for a conflict. I, I remember reading an interesting article one time that was talking about why baby chicks chirp in the nest when the mother shows up with a worm, right? Why do they all start squawking? You know, because on the one hand, it's a dangerous thing to do because now, hey, wait, what's that noise? You know, the cat says, or the fox or whatever it is, and says, I hear breakfast, so let me go get it. Uh, on the other hand, the one that chirps the loudest tends to get fed first. So there's a, a evolutionary advantage that outweighs the disadvantage in being loud. It may draw predators, but it means I get fed first, so I you know, will be healthier. And with the transmitting six, there's the same sort of conflict, right? I, I need to put myself out there, but there's also a risk to doing so. So I'm always kind of, you know, on alert and, you know, uh, uh, proactively focusing on my strength and my desirability and my masculinity or femininity. So, and again, I, I don't want to fall into stereotypes here, but, you know, a, a positive example of this is the movie Braveheart, right? I think Mel Gibson in real life is a transmitting six, has all the good things and the bad things, you know, about that, often played a transmitting six. And certainly the movie Tr Braveheart is an example of a really healthy, noble, heroic transmitting six. And then you have somebody like Alex Jones, the Infowar guy, who is a really unhealthy, paranoid, you know, crazy, evil, uh, transmitting six, cloaking himself in this macho masculinity and, you know, strength. So on the one hand, he's this blustering, you know, apparently strong person who's really just a fearful coward underneath, right? So both of those elements are amplified. 
So, um, so they, they, they can be tricky, but you know, in general, they're people who are fairly assertive in the world and they can become good leaders. I've seen lots of, you know, transmitting sixes who are very effective and charismatic leaders and uh, can be really strong at this. But again, there's this, wait a minute, where did that come from element to it, right? So they may seem strong and confident and assertive, and then you see this flash of defensiveness or this flash of anxiety that doesn't seem to fit. Would would that also lend itself towards uh, maybe a trend... I'm thinking of a few people in my head that I'm not entirely sure are transmitting sixes, right? But there's a there's a level of peacocking and just very opinionated, very go, but there's a crippling self-doubt at the same time about should I do this? Is this worth my is this is this valuable? Am I doing but then they just they do it and then immediately after it's like I don't know if it was valuable. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I th- I'm absolutely right. I, th- I think that what happens is they, you know, sometimes when they're going into that, I want to assert myself, I want to make my voice heard, I want to show up at a political rally and, you know, voice all my crazy views. Um, there, there's a, you know, it's almost like they have to work themselves up mm-hmm. into a frenzy. Mm-hmm right, to get it all out there. And then afterwards, when they start to settle in a little bit, they say, hey, you know, what happened here? And uh, uh, did I do the right thing? And so forth. So so a- absolutely. And again, sixes, you know, there is this thing about fear and security, uh, fear and the need for security that undergo- undergirds them, which is, again, why they can seem so contradictory to transmitters. Another thing about transmitting sixes, which applies to other sixes, but I think here it's more visible, it's uh, the relationship with leadership. I think that leadership is usually something relevant for sixes. Uh, They look at the leader in a way to find security. And if they don't approve of or respect the leader, they will challenge him or her. In transmitting sixes, I think that's more visible, that's more acute, and they will, they can become a pain in the ass for the leader if the transmitting six does not respect or feel um, taken care of by the leader. I, I think too that that same thing can apply in family dynamics, right? Um, when they're yeah. when they're when they're healthy, and even when they're not necessarily that healthy. They can be this sort of big sort of uh, paterfamilias, you know, the, the the head of the family who's protective of other people and really wants to take care of them and really wants to make sure that they're, um, you, you know, um, uh, all healthy and safe and protected, right? And, you know, both males and females, we, we see this this quality. And so when, again, when they're, when they're you know, average to healthy, they're great people to have around. And they're really, they take on this caring role for others. That's uh, really a wonderful thing to see. And the more healthy they are, the more wonderful it is. Right. So let's talk about the pattern of expression, transmitting, preserving, navigating. Yeah. So the, the preserving is second, right? They tend to be really focused on making sure that all the preserving needs are met. And, um, you know, very often for themselves, but but very often for others as well. Those in the nest, those who are part of the family, those who are part of their tribe and whatever that looks like. And the navigating domain is where they really struggle, 
right? Uh, and again, this is why understanding the distinction between extroversion and being social versus navigating is so important because they can seem really social and really, um, you know, navigating if you don't understand the term because they often have lots of friends and they're often, you know, out there meeting people and schmoozing and being very quote unquote social, but they're really not so great at navigating, meaning that they don't read social cues very well. They don't interpret other people's intentions very well. So they can become really overreactive to something they perceive as a threat that's really not. My daughter is a transmitting six. And when but I she's realized... Okay. She's fine. <laughs> she's, she's great. great. She's great. She's, she's great. great. Uh, and uh, when I realized that she was a transmitting six, I started trying to help her develop more empathy and the skill of reading kind of the social cues and navigate better to a point where I'm asking questions to her and she would, she, she will say, mom, I know what you're doing. I get it. No need. Don't overdo it. <laughs> you know. Uh, so, but it's something that you can build even if it's not natural. Mm -hmm. You know, with trans other transmitting skills uh, at work, I see that when they cannot meet a deadline or do something or they are asked to do something, they might be really defensive at saying, no, this cannot be done. No, no, that's impossible and things like that. And that's something that I would work with them. Like how do they lower their defenses when they're asked to do something that might involve some risks and see like they're open to listening and taking on those challenges. Another thing that comes up uh, sometimes for me is learning to take a deep breath and think about what the other person's real motives are, right? Because they can jump to this conclusion about, you know, why this person did that thing or said that thing, and they can be very reactive toward it. And so very often they benefit from, you know, instead of being so reactive, just taking a pause, thinking, okay, did the person really mean that? Or maybe I should check with them before I, you know, lose my cool. So just taking that pause to understand the real motives can be helpful. Yeah, and and, and also try to, like, for example, when they see a risk, and, and, and especially in public, they might get very aggressive at trying to show what the risks are. And people usually don't understand what's going on there. What's their agenda behind it? Can you give an example? Okay, so there's a group of people and somebody saying we're going to go left. And if the transmitting six thinks that there's a huge risk or that it doesn't make sense and the, other, the rest of the people are not seeing it, they might be really, really aggressive, which may be interpreted as does the transmitting six want to take the lead? Uh, are they against this other person? Or like, it's hard to read sometimes where they're coming from because they're too aggressive. When they're too worried, they're, they become very aggressive. Mm -hmm. So trying to take, I don't know, another approach or saying, look, I'm concerned about the risk here. What can we do about it? Or taking that conversation one-to-one -one and not in public might be another option because mm -hmm. I see friction coming up from situations like that with transmitting sixes. 
if you're in a relationship with the transmitting six and something like that comes up run (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm joking i'm just joking what what's what's the protocol there where it's like all right this this isn't this seems like an oversized reaction how do we acknowledge their big feelings and and, and do the logical thing i i I shouldn't even share this but my daughter's Boyfriend. Sorry, nobody's listening anyway, so yeah, that's okay. No, I know. More and more people are listening, trust me. <laughs> I, I had this client the other day who said, why do you keep saying that nobody listens? I listen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, hi there, if you're listening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, my daughter's boyfriend said to her, I think, uh, that her intensity in, the re- in her reactions for him meant that she cared about things uh, deeply mm. and that it didn't, it wasn't a problem for him because it, it, it was a sign that she cared. I think it's smart, you yeah. know? Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that translates to relationships with all sixes is to take a moment to acknowledge the validity of their concerns, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we can jump to a conclusion that they're, their fears are irrational, that they're phobias, right? Uh, but say, well, no, you know what? I, I think it's really great that you think about these things. But, you know, I got it. Right? You know, I, I took care of it or, you know, or good point. Yeah, I'm going to go check the locks, you know, but so. When with my mom was a six, I, when she doesn't bring up a risk and something happens, I said, look, mom, you didn't say anything to me. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that that wraps it up for the subtypes of the sixes. Uh, Tune in next week, and we'll be talking about the subtypes of the seven. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awarenesstoaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awarenesstoaction.com slash podcast.